You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. It is now 5 o'clock here at CFRC 101.9 FM here at Queen's University in lovely scenic Carruthers Hall. And I have the great pleasure of welcoming Susan Bellier, Director of the Banry Center in studio with me today. Welcome, Susan. It's so great to be here, Dinah. I'm so excited that you're here. Finally. 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 We've been working on this. Yes. uh, For all of the listeners out there, I keep accosting Susan on the street. Hey, you! (laughs) I don't mean to be avoiding you. (laughs) Well, I've seized her (laughs) and managed to uh, get her into the studio for a spot today. And lots of really exciting things are coming up at the Banry Centre, which uh, Susan's going to tell us about uh, Mm -hmm. over our uh, next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. But before we launch into all of the great things that are coming up in the spring, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Banry Centre. I have the best job in the world. Yes, you do. I do. I'm the director of the Banry Center, uh, which I'll explain a bit more what that is in a moment. But I've only been there since last spring, since April, really. Mm-hmm. So I still get to call myself the new or newish director of the Banry Center, which is great because that's my excuse for not knowing everything that I should know. I guess in a month or so, I'm going to have to stop saying the new director, and I'm just going to be the director. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what does the day-to-day look like? What is What does the role of the director entail? Well, my job is... As far as you know, it as the new director. <laughs> as the new director, it seems that my job includes everything. The, the primary function of my position is to make sure everything runs smoothly at the Bannery Center. Now, that said, we do so many different things, and every day is a new adventure there. My job can include things like making soup. Um, It can include things like scrubbing the salt stains out of the carpet. But mostly my job is to... um, to steward the funds that support us. I do a lot of donor relations work. I work closely with some other units in student affairs, uh, Four Directions and uh, Quick, and some other units on um, collaborative programs. And I oversee the work of my fabulous student advisors, Lisa and Jamila, and other staff we have, administrative staff, um, and work-study students and make sure everybody's doing all the things they need to do to keep the Banry functioning and welcoming and uh, the safe and beautiful space that it is. Wonderful. It sounds like a really great job, (laughs) except for the salt stain scrubbing. Mm. I know how you feel. Um, So tell us a little bit more about the Banry Center. Our community uh, listeners may be less aware than our campus listeners, but I'm sure there are folks on campus that would love to learn more about it too. There are. Every day we find new students who didn't know about us. We often hear from students, oh, I wish I had known about you in my first year. We are a center. We were established in 1974. The Ben Rees Center was established thanks to the foresight of some amazing kick-ass women founders, some of the women who are around Queens as administrators and students back in the 19, uh, early 1900s. 
and they developed a, a residence for women because there wasn't one, and it was run independently from the residence for men. Mm -hmm. And when they decided in the early 70s to amalgamate the residences, the women who had stewarded the women's residence, which is Banry Hall, uh, realized that they had run a surplus. The men's residence had been running at a deficit, and they weren't going to lose the money that they had carefully managed all those years. So they were able to create the Banry Foundation to support the continuing education of women. Um, and so when the, the residences merged in the early 70s, those funds went to establish the Banry Center, which is that little brown brick house at 32 Bader Lane that we know and love now. It's, it's a brown brick house. It's three stories, and we have two student advisors. So students come in and get um, academic and personal and financial advising. We have nap rooms. We have a breastfeeding room. We have many workspaces for students that are ideal for individual work or group work. We have a kitchen that is always busy. We offer free homemade soup every day, free to students, and uh, coffee, tea, and toast throughout the day. We run all sorts of programming, and we just keep the place buzzing. We always try to be responsive to what the students are telling us they need the space to be. So it has really changed over the years as the student body, the profile of our students has changed, but we're fundamentally there to support mature women students, self-identified women students, and um, mothers, students who are parenting. Okay. So now tell us a little bit more about the space. You talked about the brown brick house and you have mm -hmm. these discrete rooms. So what can people find when they walk in the door? What can people expect to do when they're there? walk in the door uh, we're open from nine to four every day so you walk in the door and you might encounter one of our student advisors who you could sit and have a chat with you might encounter me I might be in the kitchen making a cup of tea you'll definitely encounter other students who will be um, you know bustling about in the kitchen we have a big lounge space where students are almost always sitting and chatting with each other it's really an amazing way that mature women students find community on campus um, and this happens across disciplines across faculties and departments so you can have you know the neuroscientist talking to the lawyer talking to the English literature PhD student you can have somebody from Ghana talking to someone from Iran talking to somebody from Perth Ontario um, people make these amazing connections and build support networks and facilitating that facilitating that happening is really what I see as our primary our primary role even though we do you know we host a lot of programming but we really try to make sure that we're leaving lots of space for the women who come in to find each other and make those connections wonderful so can you tell us a little bit more too about the amazing services <laughs> the wealth of services that Banry offers you did you mentioned for example uh, student advising there's uh, working and napping spaces I understand there's a noon hour meditation series mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot computer labs and printers a lending library but let's hear a little bit more about uh, the student advising and maybe the emergency financial assistance. Sure. I have, I, I like to think I have the best student advisors on campus working at the Banry Center. Uh, we have two student advisors. They've both been there for many, many years. They know this campus inside and out, and they've heard 
so many stories from students. We, you can make an appointment to meet one. It's more typical for people to just walk in and find somebody free and sit down and start having a chat. All of our services are completely confidential. Women come to us with struggles. It might be with their housing or with their finances, with their children, with their partners, with their graduate supervisors. And we, the student advisors, give them the kinds of advice they need. We do a lot of on-campus and in-community referrals. And we like to do what we think of as the soft handoff when we're doing referrals. So we're very likely that one of the advisors would actually help you make a phone call or maybe even take you um, up to meet somebody who might help you out with with your writing or with uh, an issue you're having with with uh, the registrar's office or an issue you're having um, with your health. Um, it's a very kind and warm atmosphere and the student advising that we do is is very much about uh, relationship building and keeping communication open and easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and sounds like to providing guidance and introductions to tools so that way the students themselves can pick up and remediate some of the issues that they are encountering. Yeah, that's exactly the idea. Uh, students are able to get the tools that they need to solve their problems and I think the proof that our way of doing this works is in the incredible successes that we see among our students who go on to do amazing things despite being at school while raising children on their own or despite being refugees or despite being here working in uh, another language, um, like a second or, or third sometimes language. We, we see students succeed despite I can't even I can't even imagine the challenges. I did a PhD here at Queen's myself as a mature woman student. Actually used the Banry Center as a workspace off and on and really, really appreciated what they had to offer. But the more I hear students' stories and the more I get to know some of the students who are hanging around, the more respect and complete admiration I have for them. And students stay in touch with us. We hear back from students, we hear when they graduate, they go on to do other degrees. They get jobs, they have kids, they get married, and they let us know because Banry has become part of their family. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, uh, to us, that's the best measure of our, of our success. Indeed. Okay, and now there some of the other services, too, in addition to student advising, I understand there's also emergency financial assistance. How does that work? Yeah, how does that work? <laughs> yes, as students, um, oh, the costs are just crazy for students, and certainly there's lots of research that shows that students <clears throat> at all levels, undergrad, graduate, and professional, struggle financially to make ends meet. We have, um, thanks to the generosity of many of our donors and to the uh, generosity of AMS students who, whose fees help to fund one of our bursaries as well, we administer several bursaries that have specific terms that were set up by donors. And students come in and it's, on a, it's a rolling application. We don't have deadlines for them. Students come in when they're in crisis. And these are mostly bursaries for mature women students. They come in, they fill out an application, have a conversation about their situation. We try to hook them up with other resources as well, maybe credit counseling or 
uh, access to other funds, but we assess their situation and see if we have funds that we can help them out with. Mm -hmm. Students who are mature women, students who are in financial crises really ought to come by Banry and see if there's some way that we can help them because often we can. And we've also found that, you know, as important as financial assistance is, and it absolutely is, it's most effective when it's paired with other kinds of support. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's just a, a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen. Sometimes it's some um, help with, uh, with managing costs. Sometimes it's um, access to physical or mental health supports. Because all of these things work together, you know, financial problems, health problems, uh, academic problems and so if we can give a sort of wraparound support that includes the financial assistance that's when our assistance is most effective. Now another one of the great services offered by Banry is a regular noon hour speaker series yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the recent talks that have happened or maybe highlighting what's coming up in the spring? Sure. Um, we've had, we run maybe 10 to 12 speakers a term, maybe 10, I think. And uh, the topics are, the, the talks are free. They're in our lounge area, which is just a big, comfortable living room area. You come in, you grab a bowl of soup, you sit down to listen. We've had talks about, um, we, our last one was about mastering menopause last week, and we had a naturopath in to talk about Angela Hunt to talk about uh, hormones and the changes that women of a certain age will go through and what you can do to support that. We've had people in talking about Eastern Ontario's natural wonders. Somebody from the Nature Conservancy came in earlier in February to talk about that. We had someone come in to talk about eating locally and seasonally in a climate like ours, where we can sometimes find that a challenge. Mm -hmm. This Friday, March 6th, we have a recently defended PhD who's been a longtime friend at Banri, who is talking about uh, female warriors in northern uh, Syria who have sort of, and how they... Um, they challenge the Middle Eastern portrayal of women as subordinate to men and also challenge the Western gaze, which sees women as a commodity. This is a more academic talk. Some of the talks are really health-oriented. Some of them are about you know, the environment, and some of them are students or faculty talking about their research. Later in March, on March 16th, we have Jill Price from the Department of Cultural Studies who's going to be talking about undoing and unmaking art. As a, as a creative process, and, and we're going to talk about what it means to undo things. And then at the end of March, on March 27th, we're going to hear Rebecca Anweiler, a professor in fine art here, talking about some of her recent work, um, which is currently also on display in our lounge. We usually have some local art on display in our lounge as well. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a very eclectic mix of community and academic folks coming in talking about all manner of issues and, and ideas of relevance to pretty much anybody. Yeah, we get a lot of people from the community as well as um, students, faculty, and staff. What a great experience that must be, going in, hanging out in a nice living room, eating some soup, and getting to hear some uh, fantastic stuff for free. For free. And then meeting new people. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
It's not bad. So Banri is the place to be this spring. So um, with that in mind, too, uh, where is where can we find information about the speaker series uh, throughout the spring? The best way to find out what's going on with us really is to follow us on Facebook. We have... Um, we have our regular programming posted on our website, mm-hmm. and you can look up Banry Center at Queens and find our website. But some things that we do a little more spur of the moment, things that might change, you're going to find out about that on Facebook. And you'll also get a sense of what soups are coming up, and that's all who's in the kitchen and who's cooking, and that's always good to know, too. Fantastic. Okay, and now we, we cannot negate... The, the big, huge thing that's coming up for Banri, the 2020 Spring Awards Celebration. It's coming soon. It and by the time this program airs, actually, the application deadline will be complete, that which ends on March the 4th, if I understand correct, correctly. Yeah. But we have a number of awards that are given out annually. Can you tell us about some of the awards? And... Maybe even tell us a little bit about the generous donors and supporters who have made these awards possible. Yeah, I can tell you about a couple of them that are really special. The Spring Awards celebration is meant to celebrate the achievements of our students. um, And the awards were set up by donors rather than as emergency bursaries to be awarded in a a once-a-year event. So we have our Spring Awards. And the students apply for them, and then we have a jury that selects who's going to receive them. There's uh, around a dozen different awards, and some of them are really quite lovely. One of the beautiful things about the Spring Awards is it's an opportunity for some of our donors or the families of our donors, when they've passed away, to actually come and meet some of the students and celebrate together the achievements of some of our amazing students One of the awards that I'm excited about is the Diane McKenzie Awards, and they were established by a woman who was a nursing student here in honor of Dr. Jean Hill, who had been the Dean of Nursing when she was here. And uh, Dean Hill really revolutionized how nursing was taught at Queen's, so she's a really important figure. So four students this year are gonna receive awards. Um, These are financial awards. To, to honor the memory of Dr. Jean Hill and to give these students a little bit of a, an assistance. Um, those, those awards are specific for nursing students. Mm-hmm. We also have the Janet Bilton Holst Citation Award, which is one of my favorite ones. It's an award that the staff at Banri get to choose the recipient of based on who's been like a good den mother, who's been helping other students, who's hanging out and really helping to make Banry feel like Banry, feel like a home. So these are often students who take an extra few minutes to chat with students coming in, help new students get oriented to the house. Maybe you'll find them putting on a pot of coffee pretty often or helping to dish out the soup or clean up. So when we, it's wonderful to have a way of honoring and celebrating that role. Because as women, that is a role that doesn't get celebrated or honored very often. So I really like that one. And now uh, I see another award in there, too, from one of my favorite people ever, Barbara. Yes, it's the Barbara Schlafer Book Prize is another really special award. Um, It was established by colleagues and friends of Barbara Schlafer, who was a longtime director of the Banry Center two directors ago. And uh, she's actually a neighbor of mine, and I know her quite well. 
uh, and it was to celebrate her on her retirement from from the center. So it's a prize that's um, a gift certificate for buying books, and it's a wonderful a wonderful opportunity. You know, books are expensive for students, and this is a way to put money, dedicated book money, in the hands of students, which is a very precious thing. Oh. Perfectly suited to the memory of Barb. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, wonderful. So uh, when is the actual ceremony happening? The ceremony is happening on April 25th. Mm-hmm. And at Grant Hall? Or? No, this year it's going to be at Wallace Hall Okay. in the JDoc Center. And uh, it'll be a lovely event. I am sure. <laughs> I'm. Uh, we're frantically getting all the details in place right now for the food and the, you know, the, all the little things, the tablecloths and all the fancy things we have to have in place. But it really is a special thing. When I started last year, it was. It happened like a couple of weeks after I started, so it was all a little bit of a blur. <laughs> but I did have the sense that it was a really important event, and I'm really looking forward to being there with more of my head on my shoulders this year. <laughs> and Patrick Dean is going to give a few words, uh, greeting from the university at the event, which is lovely as well. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so with with all of the great initiatives that you've already got going on at Banbury, I understand there are a couple of other things coming up down the pipeline. Tell us about some of the new things happening at Banbury. We're always coming up with new things. As always. We've just started a series of fireside chats with students who are researching and or living queer themes. Um, I personally, I host them. I interview the students. And they're very informal, sort of like this, very informal chats. We sit, we have a fake fireplace. And so we sit on either side of the fire so they can be fireside chats. And I ask questions and they answer and then everybody in the room has an opportunity to weigh in and um, you know ask questions or make comments and talk as well. It's about facilitating conversations about queer themes on campus. We felt that that was something that was a little bit missing um, and something that we could really easily do. And so rather than have students prepare presentations, formal presentations with PowerPoint and mm -hmm. having to do that very academic kind of work, I thought that the interview format would be less pressure and maybe um, a little more community building for the students. So it's not instead of our speaker series, it's just another, another add-on. Um, we've done a couple. We had uh, Devin West, who's a PhD candidate in cultural studies, uh, talking about how systems of heterosexuality shape our possibilities for and barriers to queer kinship. And we talked specifically about grief and queer grief, which was a really interesting talk. That was in mid-February. Last week, we had Saskia DeVilt, who's a PhD student in environmental studies, who studies bears, but what we were talking about was her career as a drag king. Okay. She's from Amsterdam and she had a you know her big experience in the drag scene there and now she's a drag king in Kingston. And so I interviewed them in they were in drag through the interview which was awesome and kept her mustache wax close in case it came off and everything. So that was a really interesting and eye-opening kind of interview. 
Then we have Erin Gallagher Calhoun, who is not queer herself, but grew up with two dads. So she is going to be talking about rethinking. It's it's actually she's a PhD student in history, and she's talking about rethinking our definitions of family and parenting um, from her own perspective. And that is that's her research as well as sort of her personal story and interest. And that's of a lot of interest to mm-hmm. to us these days because. Um, you know, myself, I live in a queer family, and we have a son who is straight. So he grew up in a he grew up queer, but is not queer. So it, it's, there's some really interesting conversations to be had about what what it means to be making family in different ways. Mm-hmm. And then the upcoming one on March 17th, we have Taylor Sanak, who's a master's student in gender studies, and she's going to be talking about finding and and creating space for her queer black self. So she's going to be talking about the intersection of race and sexuality and what that's meant for her at Queen's and in her life, and I think that's going to be a really great one, too. And there's always soup available during these talks, just to plug the soup one more time. (laughs) And uh, what soup is happening tomorrow at Banbury? Tomorrow at Banbury? Or Thursday at Thursday Bay Ridge. Do we have a plan? Oh, I'm. I almost hesitate to say it on the radio, but on Thursdays, one of our work study students um, creates a really beautiful Persian soup, Ooh. and uses it. It's a flavor profile that is quite different from any soups that I know how to make. So I enjoy it best. I have to say, I think our Thursday soups might be. Up there okay. right now, although, you know, we have some of our tried and true recipes that people come back for all the time, too. Uh, the first time I ever had yam peanut soup was at uh-huh. the Vanry yes. Center. Yes. <laughs> and I make it all the we time. We still keep that one in rotation. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But, oh boy, a Persian soup. So, yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Like I'm just thinking of pomegranate and maybe no, a lot. it's very heavy. It's uh, flavored with a lot of parsley, although it doesn't taste like parsley. Um, it's like leeks and parsley. And I think the one that she's doing this week is going to have barley. And um, and they're a very thick soup called an osh. Osh. And um, I am just learning. Okay. From her, learning from students, which is often how it happens on this campus as we go. But that's fun. So as folks come in and uh, develop soup recipes, uh, do you find that you're able to collect soup recipes from a variety of places around the world, too? Part of what I would like to see happen with the soup programming is a bit more international um, flavor profiles and really drawing on the expertise of some of our students, some of whom are amazing cooks, to bring some of these recipes to us so mm-hmm. that we all get to share in the flavors. And it also helps to draw in new students who might not know about Banry, but who are looking for a little taste of home. And a great opportunity for folks to maybe learn how to do a little bit of cooking if they're not necessarily uh, savvy with it in the first place. So yeah. you get to collaborate, learn a new recipe. And usually making soup is not a very expensive no. uh, means yeah. of uh, eating well. That's too. right. You can eat well, eat healthy, and really flavorful stuff yeah. in a bowl. In a bowl. <laughs> in a bowl. Best of all. <laughs> all right. So... 
we are uh, just about out of time. Wow, thank you so much, Susan, for coming and sharing with us uh, all about Banri, the great things that are happening at Banri right now, uh, amazing services, the upcoming uh, awards celebration, certainly uh, more information that folks need to know about too, including financial assistance programs that are available to them here on campus, and of course, the speaker series, and soup. <laughs> and soup. I do hope people will follow us on Facebook and stay on top of all the wonderful things that we have to offer. Okay. Thank you very much. Susan Bellier has been in the studio with us from the Banry Center. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you, Dinah. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 